welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back. This is Steve, and today with me is Christine. Christine is a remarkable woman who has gone through adversity, toxic relationship, and a domestic violence situation that really has impacted her. And I want women out there to understand you're not alone in this type of situation, that you go through these things and you wonder why, what happened. Christine, thank you for coming in and welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. One of the things I want to talk to you about is sometimes women just get stuck and they get stuck in relationships. Tell us who you are. So I am a wife and a mother, a devout Christian. I work in the medical field. I am remarried to an amazing husband. I have two wonderful children and many grandchildren. That is awesome to hear, especially with your backstory. Let's start there with your backstory because you've had a lot of medical issues uh, stemming from this. You were in a toxic relationship, an alcoholic husband, domestic violence that also impacted your kids and you. Okay. So I met my ex-husband and I was fairly young. We were married almost 20 years. He was an alcoholic and I knew that he was an alcoholic prior to marrying him, but I was young and I ignored all the red flags. Looking back, there were a lot of red flags that I ignored. Uh, Let's talk about that for a second, Christine. You, you say that you saw a lot of red flags and in relationships that I deal with with couples or individuals that are dating, coming out of divorce, they say we saw some red flags but chose to ignore them. Let's talk a little bit about those red flags. So looking back and after therapy and, and the things that I have done since then, I established the fact that I had a very low self-esteem and meeting my ex-husband, I was in a place where I felt like I was not good enough, that I was not going to find somebody who was truly going to love me. And I felt that he really loved me. He had this great image, so to speak. He had full custody of his son. He ran a business. He seemed to really have everything together other than his alcoholism. I think I chose to ignore them because I felt like I could love him enough that he would stop drinking. Looking back, felt like I was going to disappoint my parents. So after we got engaged and the wedding process started and there was lots and lots of money involved, I think I was too afraid to say, you know what, this is not a good idea. I should not move forward. And so I chose to. Once when I you did. Said, when you like, said that you're afraid, what were you afraid of? I was afraid of disappointing my parents. How, how long were you out of the house with your parents and what was it that they'd be disappointed about? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure I've really thought of it that way other than my parents were, I don't know how I want to say this. They were very successful and they had a very good community of people around. We had a lot of friends and family and I felt like my father would be out all this money 
And it was going to be one more thing that I didn't follow through on. One more thing that, yeah, I didn't follow through on. And I was very much in love with him. And I was also, you know, like I said, I was young and fairly naive, I believe. And so I went ahead with the marriage and the drinking got really bad for a while. And I, you know, let him know that I was leaving. I wasn't going to stay. Did anybody try to stop you or talk you out of this relationship, this marriage? Oh, no. I was very good at hiding it. Nobody knew that there was an issue until after we were married. And then he actually showed his true colors in front of my parents. How how long were you guys dating? We actually dated (laughs) three months. Okay. Got engaged. And nine months later, we were married. So about 12 months altogether from the first day you met to the I do. Correct. No one even knew what was going on. No, not none of my family because they lived in Colorado and we were in Oklahoma. So I didn't have to disclose anything. Looking back, what would you tell women who were in this same situation? I had a client who sought counseling because she was in a relationship. They weren't married. She was considering being engaged. They bought a house together, but his true colors were coming out, but she stayed in the relationship, even though it was toxic and quit therapy altogether. What would you tell listeners about those type of choices for women? And is there a reason to hide? No, absolutely not. There's not. If you're seeing red flags prior to I do, it is going to get worse after I do. God instills in us the ability to see these, to have intuition, so to speak. And when you have that, that is his way of trying to protect you and you need to get out. It will get worse. And I know that it's extremely scary. After my children were born, they were young. I knew I needed to leave, but I was terrified because I didn't know how I was going to support these kids. So if you wait till after the fact, it is so much harder to get out. The damage has already begun and they have you trapped. You are stuck. Christine, you you said that you loved him. And true saying that love is blind? Um, I think that's extremely true. Yes, it really is. Correct. And from a therapeutic standpoint, it's the serotonins, the dopamines, those chemicals that does blind us. So we have to be very astute in our thought processes, have to know what we want, who we are as a person. Let's go back into your story. What was going on in your relationship? Well, at the you know, as far as the wedding went, that was all fine. You know, you know, that all went fine. Um In the beginning, we were building a house. We were really busy. We were having a great time. We would go out on the lake. We'd have lots of fun. I knew that he drank too much. But at that point in time, I didn't see the abuse, so to speak, because I was, I think, still in the dopamine and in the beginning of, you know, love. I hadn't realized how toxic things were going to get. We actually had to go through fertility treatments to have children. 
he had children prior to me. It wasn't as important to him as it was to me, but he was willing to make that sacrifice. And to me, that spoke volume. And I wanted children. I wanted a family. So I just kept pursuing forward with what I wanted. And honestly, I think thinking still that I had a good life, that we had a good home, we had good jobs, you know, we were starting a family. All of the other things still were kind of in the peripheral. So here you are, Mary, and you're willing to have children. How was the relationship between you two? I guess it seemed to be going fairly well if you're wanting to bring children into the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was, other than his drinking. But at that time, it wasn't every day. It was on the weekends. It wasn't a consistent thing. I honestly just don't think I truly looked at the severity of the situation and the consequences that it was going to cause. I think I was naive. And again, my self-esteem, I think, played a part of that. You know, it's interesting you, you share that, that it's your self-esteem because I mean, you do have people who are weekend drinkers that are functional. They're not alcoholics. They're able to manage their alcohol. Expound a little bit more about self-esteem and naive. I think that I still had this mentality, even I think, I believe it was truly in the back of my head. It wasn't in the forefront at that point in my life. I wasn't aware how much that was playing a, a, a factor but I still truly think I felt like I wasn't good enough and this was as best as it was going to get. And I wanted a family. So that's what I was going to do. And I was going to make it work. I mean, I think that's really what it was is I was just overlooking it. I wasn't, I wasn't as focused or aware of how that was going to impact my life or how that was going to impact my children. So any of the red flags that you were seeing while dating prior to marriage, was this impacting now? Was it coming more and more relevant to you? It was. That's um, Once I had my son, I think that things started to really click in my brain. I don't know if that was the, now I'm a mom and I see things through a different light. I also had given him an ultimatum that I was leaving or he was going to stop drinking whiskey because whiskey was the issue. It was literally like the man turned into the devil and he played the, I don't remember, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so I thought, well, if we just stop the whiskey, the rest of the time, things are good. Like we have fun. He's, you know, he's, considerate and he's caring and he he looks out for other people he truly i believe has a good heart even now he went through a ton of abuse himself and he never dealt with it and once things started getting worse and i was putting all the pieces together i actually begged him to go to therapy to get help to deal with his trauma as a child and his mentality was, I don't need therapy. I'm strong. I can handle this on my own. Well, he couldn't. He turned to alcohol. 
when he stopped drinking whiskey, he started drinking beer. That became a every few nights he'd have a few beers, which led over the years to a 30 pack of beer a day, starting to drink at 9, 10 a.m. So it just continued to progressively get worse and worse and worse. It's interesting you you fear that he is a good person. Everybody's a good person. It's how we deal and manage our hurts that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. And from a female perspective, you're going through all of this. He was hurting. And I can't imagine how much that kind of impacted you. Were you hurting at the same time? And, and explain and expound on that hurt. Yes, I was hurting. But I also, at that time, I was hurting for him because mm. I loved him and I wanted him to get better. And I wanted him to be free of that abuse and the anger and the, the things that he went through as a child. I think that played a part in the fact that I still kept thinking that I could pray for his future and love the pain out of him. And so I still justified who I thought he was outside of the drinking and the abuse. If that makes any sense. We, we love people. We want the best for them. And you have a son and you love your son. Did you feel torn because you had a love for your son, but at the same time you want to try to love your husband, but now the relationship is becoming toxic? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, at that point, actually, I think it was honestly after my daughter was born also that I thought I really need to get out of here. Like I'm miserable Mm -hmm. and he's getting worse. And partying every weekend and now this is what my kids are seeing and that's not what I want them to grow up seeing and but again at the time there I was with two small children I didn't make enough money to support us so I thought had I been honest with my family they would have yanked me up and took me right back home (laughs) and I would have probably been just fine but I also because I'm such a strong Christian I felt like I said, I do. I chose this and I'm going to honor my vows. And so I just kept trying to make it work. Do you think sometimes Christianity, the way we believe or the way we see things just impacts the logic of we got to get out of there. Don't worry about the I do, but it, it's more about your safety. Do you think Christianity sometimes can blind us to say that we have to versus I need to do what's in the best interest of me? Yes, I absolutely do. And I grew up Lutheran. So it was very much in my brain that and I didn't come from a divorced family either. You say I do, you stay. That's that's the way it is. That's what the Bible has written. I actually had a very good friend of mine who her husband 
is the president of a Baptist Christian college. And she said to me one day, she said, God didn't ask you to endure this. He didn't ask you to stay in this. His abuse is equal to adultery and you are free to leave. And I don't know why I needed to hear that, but I needed to hear that. I needed to have permission that it was okay to leave. I think some churches do a better job at sharing that you try to make it work, but if you are, if your safety is involved, you need to get out. I didn't have that at that time. And so I still thought that I had to stay, that I made that choice. I'm glad you said you needed permission. Because I think a lot of times we do need permission, whether it's from a friend, family member, it's allowing that key to unlock the door that I don't feel trapped anymore. Right. And as a man, looking back at, at my situations, I had a lot of trauma and hurt from my past and realized that I had to go to my own therapy and to become, uh, get healed. Now, granted, I didn't get into substance abuse or any of those type of things to escape. I just internalized. And when a trigger would hit, I would become upset or angry. And I had to challenge my thinking. I cannot do anger in front of my children. I cannot do anger in front of my wife. And eventually through my own situation with my own family is the reason why I became a therapist. I left the engineering field and became a therapist to help. So here you are, you get permission. What was the worst situation? I, I think I remember you and I were talking at one point that you were hiding in a closet with your kids. What was going on? Yes. Um, we actually had been at a wedding. It got worse than hiding in a closet that night. And he was extremely drunk. Drunk enough that his own friends weren't sure who wanted to get in the car with him and drive home. So he was in front of us and I was in the van with the kids and we got home. He had locked the door on the truck and literally he and this guy were beating each other to a pulp in the car. I mean, and so I just grabbed the kids. I said, get in the house, go upstairs, get in the closet in your bedroom and don't come out till I get there. I tried to unlock the door. I was beating on the windows and they weren't coming out. So I just went inside. I grabbed the kids and we just got in the closet. I'm not really sure why I thought that that was going to protect us, but I just did at that moment. Once they got into the house, the fighting continued. He busted in the door, screaming and yelling and saying things like, well, why are you hiding? Do you think I'm going to hurt my children? And I said, right now, I'm not really sure who you are or what you're going to do. I ended up leaving the kids in the bedroom. I went to the bedroom. We were fighting. He was fighting with this other gentleman. He put his hands around my throat and started to choke me. And this friend jumped up and kind of tackled him. And this whole wrestling thing went on and on. And he would 
my ex-husband would not get off of this guy. And this guy was a cop. So it's not like he was just some totally inexperienced person dealing with hysterical, completely by right people. Honestly, I got a gun because he had already thrown the gun case across the roof. Things had already been flying. And I literally, I hit him on the back with it because I wasn't sure what else to do to get him off of him. And at that point, the guy said to me, he said, get the kids and get the hell out. I will handle this. And I honest to God, Steve thought he was going to be dead. I wasn't sure they both weren't going to be dead. I grabbed both the kids. I ran downstairs. I passed a laundry basket. I literally grabbed what I thought we needed, threw it in a Walmart sack, got in the car and just started driving. And at that moment, the only thing I could think of was where can I go that I can hide? Where's he not going to find me? And I drove to a hotel that was outside of town, far enough away. I didn't think he'd think to drive in that direction. I was also able to park in the back where you couldn't see my vehicle. And we stayed. The next morning, I actually called a friend and said, will you please go to the house and make sure he's alive before I bring my kids home? I, I can't imagine the impact that that moment had on you. I have never been so scared in all my life. And somehow I still allowed him to manipulate me into thinking he was going to change. That was never going to happen again, that he was going to get help, that he was going to get better, that he'd stop drinking. And I, we can't change the past. But honestly, that was a moment in time that still haunts me to this day because the impact that my children had going forward, especially their life would be very different. Had I left that situation and they did not continue to grow up with an abusive father. You know, I, I appreciate the courage that you're having to talk about your story, but I'm excited because you're sharing this story. And I wonder how many other women are going through this type of scenario that they don't have to feel trapped. They don't have to feel like I'm not good enough. You go back to the house and within a few minutes that we have left kind of lead up to what happened next. I, of course, just made a whole bunch of ultimatums and he made a whole bunch of promises. He did do good for a while. So I stayed, but neither one of us at that time got into therapy. So we didn't have, we didn't have the support, nor did we know the magnitude that things were how things were affecting the kids. Obviously I know as a mother that that was super unhealthy and I needed to get out, but I didn't know how. I want to end here. And the next time we come back together, I want our listeners to hear that story because I think it's impactful. It's about redemption, redemption for your kids and redemption for you because it impacted your life. 
Christine, I really want to appreciate this time and say thank you for being able to be on the show. And we'll have you back soon so that we can understand where things are at. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Steve. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us at Coach Soul. We hope to see you next week. So be kind and be safe.